Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me down. It's gonna be a bright, bright sunshine. Give him another hand. It's a bright, sunshiny day. And thank you, Dave, for being here for, for in, in place of Nicholas. Your family now. <laughs> yes. Let's give him a hand. Wow. So, uh, trying to remember my joke. Oh, I do remember my joke. Okay. And it, and it, it may not be as funny to you as it is to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I really don't care. <laughs> I like making myself laugh, and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> oh, man. 
So I was, uh, I heard this uh, story about this pastor who um, saw this guy come into his, his uh, church and the guy had on these ratty old pants and this uh, ratty old shirt and he had a dusty old hat. And, and the pastor's like, oh, well, he, you know, come as you are and everything. So, but then he started getting complaints from the congregants and everything, right? So he goes up to the gentleman at the end of the service and he says, sir, I just wanted to ask you, before you come to church next time, can you please pray and ask God how, and I'm not saying this to you directly, I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> you're just so into me, I'm locking eyes with you. <laughs> you look good, you look good. No, I'm just <laughs> say, say Will you please, will you, will you, before you come next time, please pray and ask God what should, you should wear. And so he's, the guy says, okay, I will. So then the next Sunday, the guy shows up wearing the same exact thing. So after service, the pastor walks over to the gentleman and says, I'm trying not to look at you, <laughs> and says, sir, I thought I asked you to pray. And the guy said, I did pray. But God said, I don't know what they wear. I've never been there before. <laughs> There's a message in that. <laughs> God is here, though, right? <laughs> I thought that was so cute. I thought that was really cute. I'm glad in unity you can wear whatever, right? We're, we're, not, um, we're not as uh, stickler about clothing. We really prefer to just have you come as you are and even here share your love with each other and be one at one, right? So this month, we, we uh, have been talking about strengthening your spiritual life. And we've been going deeply into what that means. And our life, the life is the 12th power, represents December in unity, and it is our ability to enliven, to invigorate, to recharge, to animate. But as we've been moving into what spiritual life really is, we're coming to a deeper realization that spiritual life is actually that life within us. Not the, we use that to animate, to charge, and to, to uh, enliven, but it's really the spiritual I am consciousness within us. Well, it's the I am presence within us. That's what it is. It's the Christ, the God in me. It's the essence of God inside of us, right? And so today... I want to go deeper into that. We started off talking about how powerful it is to move from beliefs into faith in the first week of Advent, and then we moved into talking about how as you stand in a strong faith, you move into this feeling of love. And then when we came from that, we went into experiencing and talking about joy, and then, I don't remember what we talked about last week. Um, Last week, we talked about Hold on, I think I have it. But we've been moving into a deeper and a deeper awareness of what it means to stand in the presence of I am consciousness. And I probably put it away, but yeah, I don't have it. But I'm going to get it. It's going to come to me right when I'm talking. It's going to come up and I'm going to do a squirrel and I'll say the title. (laughs) As we close out this year, and we close out this month, I want us to really close it out with a commitment to become more intimate with the Christ within. 
to move into a deep consciousness of that I am inside. And the scripture that I want to use today to support my title, I Am Consciousness, comes from Exodus. And this is a chapter when Moses goes and brings the Israelites out of Egypt. And the scripture I'm going to read, the, the scriptures come, that I'm reading from is coming from Exodus. It's chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And this is when Moses is in wandering with his sheep. He's a shepherd. He's wandering with his, his uh, sheep. And he sees this bush, which you've, you've, you've heard the story. It's a burning bush that's not consumed by fire. And he's curious. So he goes up to it. And, and God is telling him that I want you to go get my people and bring my people home, you know take them to the promised land. So Moses is in this space of insecurity. How am I going to go bring these people? Number one, there's there's a warrant out for me. And he's asking, like God is calming him down and telling him, basically, this is your mission. And we've had moments where we've had an aha in our life, where it has come to us, what it is that is our mission in life. And if we haven't, you will have that time. You will move into that time where you get a connection of this is my mission. And it's not always what your career is. It wasn't, he was working for his father-in-law. That was his career, but it wasn't his mission, what he was doing. And God was telling him what his mission is. And you hear that from the I am inside when you connect. So when Moses says, well, what if I go down to these people of Israel and tell them, what do I tell them? And God says, well, he, well I'll re- let me read this. Cha- let me just read this, cha- this uh Verse 13, it says, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God your ancestors has sent me to you, what what do I ask them? What do I say? What name do I give them? And God says, I am who I am. Tell them I am who I am. In some translations, it says, I am that I am. And that's what he tells Moses to tell these people. I am that I am. Why is he telling him? Instead of, it's the, it's the God of, of Abraham and Jacob and Israel, why is he telling him to say, I am who I am? And as I meditated on that, God talked to me because there's always something deeper in the scriptures. And Charles Fillmore talks about that. He says that the Bible represents the phases in man's conscious development, that you start off in a Genesis when you're born and, and, and in this spirit of the childlike consciousness and you uh, have these ideas that you can do anything. Like, for instance, I was asking Reverend Bonnie Gardner, who's been here, she's spoken here before. She went out of town with her baby, her uh, niece, I mean her granddaughter, uh, to visit family, and her granddaughter's four years old. And so they took an airplane, and her granddaughter's all excited and walking through the airport, and look at that, and what's this, and what's that 
the conveyor belt. What's this thing? You know, the thing you stand on and it rides you. Um, what's that? What's this? And she's got this excitement. And she's so excited. She has this deep imagination. We're about to get on an airplane and we're doing this. And, and she said, and Bonnie said, as they got up higher, she's like, oh my gosh, I feel it. We're taking off. We're taking off. Oh, I feel the landing gears coming up. And she's looking in the sky. She's like, I'm with God. I'm up in the clouds with God. She's all excited about this consciousness of being in the clouds. And she's looking down. There's my house. There's my house. She believes it. And she's so excited and so filled with all this joy and excitement. She has all this potential that she's using and soaking up and learning. And she's so delighted. And then Bonnie was able to lift her up a little bit so she can look down. And they were right where the wings of the airplane was. And she's just so delighted about this trip. Now, me, on the other hand, (laughs) when I first started, right, I was terrified because of the stories that had come into my head from years of years of worrying and repeating this story over and over in my head that I'm going to crash if I'm on an airplane. She started off with all this excitement and joy and all these stories that she can tell, and she's like superwoman, supergirl, flying in the air with all this excitement and joy. That's your generation. That's how we start. That's our genesis. That's how we start off. Until somebody starts to infuse slowly these things inside of us that tear us down at a young age. And then we start to replay those stories over and over again in our mind. And it's similar to when Adam and Eve knew that they were in the presence of God. And that's all they knew was the presence of God. That's their genesis, the presence of God. And then when they started paying attention to the tree, of the knowledge of the fruit, of the fruit, the uh, knowledge of good and evil, and then these thoughts started going in their mind. Well, what if I do eat of that tree? It looks good. It tastes good, it, and it's pleasing to the eye. It feels good. And what if I do eat it? And maybe if it's the knowledge of tree, the tree of good and evil, maybe I'll be, be just as smart as God, not knowing that they already were because they had the essence of God inside of them already, that they were already walking in I am consciousness, connected with God in a presence in their heart without even knowing mentally when you put the mind in, it messes it up. And the moment they ate is the moment that we start to ponder and make a decision that something in our life has duality to it. There's something in our life is more important than God. That something in our life takes over the consciousness of that's what I'm focusing on now instead of God. And the moment we do that, we fall. We fall. We fall. Because now we focus on what is physical more so than our nature, which is spiritual. And we move into needing to come back into regeneration because now we've moved into degeneration. So every time you have a moment of insecurity, every time you have a moment of doubt or worry, every time something bothers you to the point where you start crying or get upset, every time something bothers you to the point where you feel like you cannot forgive, because if I forgive this person, then I'm, giving, I'm condoning, condoning what happened. Every time you make that more important than the presence of being loved 
in the presence of being God, in the presence of seeing what's inside of the person above what the person might have done, or seeing inside of the situation, the Christ and the God in the situation above what's happening to you, the moment you do that, you move into victim consciousness, and you have to move through a regeneration process back to I am. Victim consciousness is the first phase of moving into the steps that it takes us. It's the first level when you fall down. The first level when we fall, we move into victim consciousness. And in that consciousness, we're in a space where we're caught up in the circumstances and victims of the circumstances of our world, of our life, of, our, of what's going on. We're caught up in the circumstances of what others are doing to us. We're in a space where we're not paying attention to God. We're paying attention more to of what, the, uh, what others are saying instead of ourselves. And then we're not, we don't feel we're responsible for what's going on in our life. We feel like it's their fault, that fault, their fault, or is it because of this or because I'm this, or it's always an excuse instead of there is me. I remember when my son was, uh, he was going into 10th grade, and he was smaller than his friends, and he was feeling really bad about it. Now, I had been working through with him through middle school because he had been bullied in middle school, and I had told him, use the power of your voice. He was two when we came to Unity, and I've been working with him with the principals. But while he used the power of his voice one time, he told his best friend, I don't ever want to see you again. I hate you. It hurt his best friend. It crushed his best friend. I was like, I didn't mean that way. <laughs> and he was mad at his best friend. And, I, and, and then he saw the power of his words, how it crushed his, his friend. His name was Trey. And so he told, he apologized, and they, they created a strong bond. But when he got into 10th grade, he was looking at how small he was, how little he was. And his friends were buffing up and getting bigger. And he was feeling like, I'm, I'm just peep squeak and I'm nothing and I'm just tiny and I'm, you know, I, I, I don't even fit in with anybody and I hate my body. Why, why am I like this? I hate this. And, I, and so I had been talking to him with the power of his word, right? And, I, and so I was going with him. I, in that moment, he was in victim consciousness. He was in victim consciousness. And a lot of teenagers go through this. And that's a big time in our life where we really start to solidify these insecurities about ourselves and when we really start to take everything seriously, like really seriously in our life, right? So I was telling him, you know, talking to him about law of attraction. I was saying, well, if you keep saying you hate your body and you don't like your body, your body's going to still stay this way. Why not move into a space of loving your body, accepting where you are, and then as you accept where you are, ask God to help you shift your body to buff yourself up. Now, when he heard law of attraction and started researching law of attraction, which in unity would be the same thing as the third unity principle, which is thoughts held in mind, what? Produce after their kind. He started focusing on what he really wanted. He started really loving his body and started focusing on what he wanted to look like. He started going online and looking things up, and he got this, this Chinese guy or somebody who showed how he buffed himself up. And he started following that regimen. And in less than six months, he moved from being 114 pounds to being 100 and close to 170 pounds. 
And him, he was buff and he was ripped. He was looking good. But his mama was too. Because we were working together. We were working together. Now he had seen me working out. I said, you've seen me working out for years since you were little. So we started doing it together. He moved out of victim consciousness by taking responsibility for his thinking. That's the first step is to take responsibility and accountability for what you're thinking. Because victim consciousness comes from how you're processing what's going on in your life. It's not what's going on in your life. It's how you're processing it, how you're thinking about it. And you can move out of that. And what he did is he accepted where he was. That's the first step. Accept where you are without judgment. It is what it is, straight up, no chaser. (laughs) That's what I always say. The moment you judge it, you fall. Move them into victor consciousness, which is the second phase in regeneration. Victor consciousness is when you start realizing, you know what? I have control over my thoughts. I have some control over my situation. I can, I can do some things. I know what I, I can do some things. And you start to take responsibility. But there's still kind of a victim there. You're still kind of easing and out because you're not really rooted. So there's still that duality there. Because to have a victor, you got to have a victim, right? So you're still stuck in that space. And when you're in the victim space, the two words that, set, that uh, di- uh, distinguish that is to me. Things are being done to me. When you move into victor mode, the two words that distinguish that level of consciousness is by me. Things are being done by me. You shift and things become, you start to co-create and you start to become aware of the the fact that I have control over what I do and I'm accountable for it and what I'm thinking and how I'm processing. Does that make sense? I am responsible for my thoughts held in mind. Together, I am responsible for my thoughts held in mind. Now, why is this important? It's important because your thoughts held in mind determine your quality of life. You can live in a shack and still be the happiest person in the world because of how you're processing it. You can live in a mansion and be miserable because of how you're processing your life. Does that make sense? And you guys have, we have the most powerful temple in the world, this body that we're walking with and and, and, and the fact that we are up and living and breathing and having our moving, our, our breath in God, when you accept that and when you move into the space of gratitude, that starts you in a place of moving out of victim mode into victor mode and you start to take over, this is being controlled by me. And so my son started doing that. He moved into by me. And this is a beautiful piece. As he started looking at how he shifted his body so quickly, he started realizing he had power beyond just his physical, that there was something inside that as he said things, and that law of attraction, he's still working that law of attraction, that as he says and feels and his vibration rises up, things shift and people started drawing to him. He did, and he even tried doing this little uh, uh, test. He said, Mommy, everybody's always at the same table for lunch, I'm gonna try something different. Because I said, you know what? It's easy to follow, to follow. Why not stand out for a change? Why not you be a leader? 
Why not you take control by you being a leader? So he said, I'm going to try something. I'm going to sit at a table by myself. So he started doing that. So one, he started it, and one day he went, sat by the table by himself. And his friend Trey saw him sitting over there by himself. But he didn't want to be separate from the crowd, so he stayed with the group for that first day. And then the second day, Dion went and sat by himself again. Victor, by me, taking control and responsibility for his circumstances, seeing what power he has over his own circumstances, sitting there. And then Trey started sitting over, hey, Dion, what you doing? What you, why are you over here? Oh, I just wanted to try something new. Oh, well, I'll try it with you. By the end of the week, everybody had moved from the one table over to where he was. Power in your choice, becoming the victor instead of the victim. And it doesn't matter what situation we have been in. You can have the worst situation. You can even have a situation where you've been raped, where you've been robbed, where somebody has been killed. You can still move into a consciousness where you take control over your thoughts and you rise above it and become the victor of the situation. You can see it differently and you can move into a better space in your consciousness. So then when he realized that he had this power, there was something greater inside of him, there's something deeper going on. He was starting to tap into God. Now, he had already been meditating, but he started realizing the power of that connection of meditating and that peace that he felt. And then people were, as he meditated even more, people were being drawn to ask him, why are you so happy? Why are you in such a good space? How did you buff yourself up? He started becoming, a, a, I still call him this, a um, prophet. I call him a, a young prophet. And then he told himself, I'm going to be the drum major when he was in his senior year. Became the first African-American drum major of, of uh, Harrison High School. Or at least one of the first. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure he's the first. But he was the one who the instructors used to teach how to, how to uh, march. Because he knew it. And he spoke it. And so when you move out of victor, you move into vessel consciousness. You realize that you're a conduit of God. You're an individualized what? Expression of God. That God is, used, that God is inside of you. And so you move from the to me to the by me, and then you move into the in me. God is in me. God is in me. God is in me. Together, God is in me. And then when you move into a deeper consciousness of God or divine mind or Jehovah or whatever it is that is the, the name that you go with, you realize that it is, it's moving as you as well. So vessel consciousness is in me and as me or through me. But you realize there's a connection there. But there's still a little bit of a victim mode there too because it's still by me somehow, and that by me is God. So it's still some duality there, God and, God in, God as. And then you move into where Jesus was. And this is the I am who I am that God told Moses he was. And this is a kicker. Moses represents to draw out. That's what Moses' name means metaphysically, to draw out. So this I am who I am is that the Christ in me is drawn out in my life. 
When you move into I am consciousness. Now, that is called verity consciousness. When you move into the consciousness of oneness, it happens usually when you go into a deep meditative state, like when you're in a deep state of meditation and you no longer really feel your body, you just feel this connection. Anybody ever felt a connection when you're in meditation? Some people might do it by just sitting in the silence. Some people do it by being in uh, music. Some people chant. Some people walk. But when you feel that oneness, there is no God and. It is God, it is God is me. The two words are is me. I am. I am that I am. And you are that I am as well. We are here to be that. We are here to be that. And what I want us to do is I want us to move into a consciousness of having a relationship with that. Now, why would I want us to have a relationship with I am? And how does that connect it to strengthening your spiritual life? Last week, we came to the consciousness, the conscious awareness and aha, that is not your spiritual life you're strengthening because spiritual life is omnipotent. It's already strong. It's already powerful. It's strong. It's infinite. The reason why we move into the I am consciousness it's because the stronger and the closer and the more deeper you move into the I am consciousness, you become I am. You tear down all that is blocking you from duality consciousness and you become it in your life. So you're not strengthening your spiritual life. You're strengthening your awareness of the spiritual life you are. You are not your flesh. You're not. You, the I am, is the spiritual essence within you. And the deeper you become connected to that, the deeper you connect a magical life for yourself. When we were doing the vision boarding, Lynn was sharing with us how she has moved into getting everything in her vision journal that she, that she spoke out there, she orders it up, and it shows up. Jesus said, the words that I say are not mine. They are God's who does these things. I want us to be a consciousness that you are God who does these things, because you already are. But why not do it intentionally and consciously instead of by default? Does that make sense? I consciously walk in my I am consciousness. Together, I consciously walk in my I am consciousness. I am a magical being. Together, I am a magical being. Now, do you believe that? Does your life reflect that you believe that? Would you like it to be deeper? So would I. So the intention as we close out 2019, 
is to clear away everything that's blocking us from seeing clearly now. And the beautiful part is, the rain comes down and clears us away. Your rain is your tears. Your rain is the denial of all the power of anything that is blocking you from seeing the presence of God in your life. Any error thinking, any false thoughts, the rain is the denying the power of it and releasing it and letting it go. Tuesday, we are going to go into the talk, my, title of my talk is Let It All Go. And what I want you guys, me, I'm going to do this with you. I want you to continue to Meditate on what it is you are releasing from 2019, but not just from 2019, from whatever's still here in 2019 that you wanted to let go of before, right? Because sometimes we let it go, and then we go back to it and revisit it, and then we let it go, and then we go back to it and revisit it, and then we let it go, and then we go back to it and revisit it, and then we let it go. And then we go back to it and revisit it. And before we know it, we are back to when it first started in the first place. When you release it, this is the powerful thing. Most of what's going on, most of our thoughts, 90% of what you're thinking is old thinking, past thinking, repeating itself over and over and over and over again. And it's past thinking that's repeating itself over and over and over again that is secondhand opinions from those who gave it to you when you were younger who got theirs over and over and over again, and then you picked up on it. My son picked up on his feelings because I was feeling insecure. When I started becoming more confident, I had that to speak it to him. Now, the thing is, Even when we get to I am consciousness, when we know that we are one, when we feel that we are one, when we're living as we're one, and everything that comes out of our mouth is intentionally created through the consciousness of God, there will be moments that we will fall back into victim consciousness. And it seems like, oh my God, I'm back at square one. And it's because we spiral upward. Even Jesus, right before he was arrested, found himself in victim consciousness. Father, take this cup, but if it be your will, the moment he said, but if it be your will, I'm taking responsibility, I'm putting it in God's hands. But if it be your will, let your will be done, not mine. The moment he did that, he stepped back into I am Christ consciousness, and that is what we do. Anytime you feel yourself upset, somehow, know that you've moved into victim consciousness. By me. No, to me. You moved into to me. All you got to do is take hold of that and accept where you are and moved into by me. I take control of my thinking and I release the power of what's bothering me and now I move into by me. And then when you get into by me, tap into, oh, you know what? There's a Christ in me living and moving and having his being as me. They move into vessel consciousness and then move into verity consciousness. Not only is this beautiful spirit moving and breathing, having its being in me, as me, I am it. I am Christ consciousness. Together, I am Christ consciousness. And then watch everything you say after I am and make it be what you truly want because you'll create it. You will create it. Does that make sense? 
Are we ready to let go of 2019? Just a little bit? Can we say it again? Are we ready to let go of 2019? Yes. Are we ready to move forward in Christ consciousness? Yes. Are we ready to move and use the magic that we are? Yes. Look around this church. Are we ready to see this church filled to the rafters? Yes. Every single seat filled? Yes. That we're going to have to add seats? Yes. That we'll be ready to move into another building? Yes. Uh, I think you, y'all don't sound like, you sound like there's doubt in that undercurrent. I'll try it again. Are we ready to move into another building? Yes. yes. Thank you, Mary. Authority. Let's stand up. Those who can, if you can't, that's fine. Take the hand of the person beside you. You want to take her hand. We're going to commit to love each other in our moments of victimhood. We're going to commit to seeing them as I am consciousness. We're going to skip past the victor and the vessel. And we're going to see I am consciousness. And we're going to speak that into each other's lives. And as we walk into this church, we're going to walk into this church, walking into I am consciousness. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are... God consciousness. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are God consciousness. Turn to your neighbor and say, so am I. I am Christ consciousness. I am that I am. I am that I am. Are you I am that I am? I am. I love it. So there is never I am more than enough because when you put even more than enough on there, it's still a measurement. It is just I am. And whatever it is after I am you want, you are it. So think of something right now that you want. And when I count, when I count to three, I want you to say I am and whatever it is that you want. One, two, three. I am prosperous. Yes, do it again. One, two, three. I am prosperous. Yes. Now. Do you remember the word that you had from this, from the white stone ceremony? I want you to say that when I count to three. One, two, three. I am love and joy. Say it again. Yes. So now that is rooted in you. And it has fertilized the soil for what you're going to move into in 2020. Squeeze the person's hand beside you. Feel that energy. I'm getting full. I want to tell you guys that I love you and I am committed to you and I appreciate you for everything that you are. I see your light shining and I am a part of that light and the glow in this room is awesome and I'm so proud to be a part of you guys. 
And I'm so proud to know you guys. And I love you from the bottom of my heart. And there is no bottom, so it's infinite. And I want us to go into 2020 so excited. I know we've had wounds in 2019. I know we've had seemingly losses because people have transitioned. It wasn't a loss because they're with us fully now. I know we've had a lot of things happen. It strengthened us to get to a higher expression of Christ. And now we're going to go into 2020 stronger than ever, knowing who we are in Christ. You guys grew this church with me. This is double the size it was when I got here. We have more to do in it, and it is going to happen. And I claim it over us. We are going to move into 2020 more powerful than ever. And we're going to step into 2014. 20, we're going to be looking for a building. Amen? Amen. 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 And so it is. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. 
If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.